Hello and welcome to Nested Folders, a podcast about productivity, even when we uh, wish we didn't uh, or <laughs> didn't have to. Uh, I'm Scotty Jackson, joined as always by Rosemary Orchard. Rosemary Orchard, how are you? Uh, well, I'm 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 ready for this one, Scotty. I feel like I've been doing trials of this for the last <laughs> year. I kid you not. Like it really yeah. feels like it, but. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there. I think it's <laughs> so. it's true. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like this is this is the sum total of like forty three years have led to this moment. Um, Not forty two. We're going to talk <laughs> talk about uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's true. Uh, talk about having crises and how we deal with and how we deal with crisis time. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, if you're new, hi everybody. Uh, you can find our whole podcast at nestedfolderspodcast dot com. Uh, and if you like, uh, you don't have to, but if you would like to, you can support us. Uh, through nestedfolderspodcast.com slash unnested, where we have our unnested folders feed, where we do a bonus episode every month tackling user challenges and questions and so on. Uh, but let's get into talking about uh, crisis management. Um, you know, step one, hit the panic button. Step two. Yeah. Step two, what? Well, and for me, step two is actually give yourself a little bit of time to panic um, because, I mean, it depends on what the crisis is, right? But a lot of the times whenever there's there's a big problem, our instincts as humans is, you know, fright, flight and freeze. Those those are the, the three things. OK, so like you're so, you know, you either fight it or or you, you know, or you you run away or you freeze. Um, and I think. One of the things that we need to acknowledge is that is a human reaction and we should do that. Um, and so I like to actively go, okay, I'm going to panic for a couple of minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually grab some chocolate because everything's better with chocolate or whatever your favorite snack is. Um, and then I usually try and go for just a little walk for just, even if it's just two minutes, like get outside, see the sun, do something, you know, like take the recycling out or something like that. Something which gives me a little bit of space so i can get some perspective because you need to acknowledge that there is a crisis and you need to then get your head immediately into that mode where you can handle it and i find just giving myself a couple of minutes to go oh my gosh this is a thing now is pretty good because if you don't do that then i find that those emotions tend to bubble back up later usually when you don't have time for them uh so i like to try and get it out of the way early wherever possible that's a good idea. I mean, acknowledge and honor honor the feelings for sure. Um, and for me, I know that um, part of that emotional management for myself is kind of three. Like these are the three things when 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 crisis hits. So number one is give myself permission to break all my rules. So you know we talk a lot on our productivity podcast about all of our productivity systems. And to me, when crisis happens, I can't be bogged down with my rules because in a crisis situation, probably I'm not going to operate by my rules. Probably other people are also not going to operate by their rules. And so everything becomes a little bit variable. And so trying to shoehorn this crisis situation into like a business as usual kind of uh, way of operating is going to be a recipe for disaster and more stress. So, um, you know, breaking my rules is 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 important to me to give myself space. And the other thing is sort of thinking ahead a little bit and saying, okay, when this is done, I will give myself time to recover. So I will clean up all the messes that I've made. I will get back into whatever business as usual is for me. Uh, I will, I, I accept that, you know, as part of breaking all my rules, I know that I then must, you know, create time at the end to deal with that 
cool. Yeah. And then the third thing is this sort of this emergency triage of like, like okay, I'm, I'm about to get into crisis mode. That means what do I have that I thought I was going to do that I can just give up on entirely? Like, you know what? That's a sacrificial lamb. Sorry, lamb. Um, uh, you're out. Yeah. Or what are the things that I can defer or put off? And what are the things that I can't defer or put off that I somehow need to make sure get handled in some sort of other way? Um, and then as a result of those things, like, who do I need to say sorry to? Like, who is <laughs> like so that they don't so that people know yeah. that I'm in crisis mode? How how do I how do I get in front of that train and say, like, hey, gang, so that, you know, like the thing I'm about to disappoint you in a whole bunch of ways. Here's 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 why. Um and here's what we can maybe do about it, you know, initially yeah. uh, until then. And as part of that, I love having like a little bit of boilerplate text mm-hmm. that I can just copy and paste so that if I'm instant messaging or emailing, I can just say like, hi, you know, as a result of problem X, I am probably going to be unavailable until day Y. Um, or maybe I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And so the, these projects are now, you know, at risk or off the track. And you'll hear from me again and like you know, 24 to 48 hours once I got my head right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a couple of ways that I go through and do this. The first one I do is I scan my calendar. Um, and okay. So, so some of you are probably thinking, what kind of crisis is this? And honestly, it varies, you know, sometimes something just pops up and it's like, okay, this will be resolved in a couple of hours. Sometimes it pops up and you don't know Mm -hmm. how long it's going to be. And if you don't know how long it's going to be, it's kind of difficult to plan that far out in your calendar. But I would say if you've got no idea how long something's going to last, you need to at least look through the next 48 hours in your calendar. Um, and I just, use a boilerplate text. I I don't write the, exactly the same email to everybody, um, but I usually decline whatever the meeting invite is and then paste paste a text mm-hmm. into the box and say, hey, because of X, I'm I'm not going to be able to attend this. Um, you know, please, can we reschedule, um, you know, to after this is resolved or uh, deal with this in some other way? Um, and uh, on top of that, I like to uh, have a look through my task manager, look at what's due. Um, within that time and see who it's linked to. Again, use that same boilerplate text. But with deadlines, I go further. I go a week out. Um, and I, I say this for a reason. And that's because A, dealing with the crisis means that current time right now is occupied. Even if you weren't planning on doing something on that project that's due next Monday and this is Tuesday now. So, you know, it's six days away and you're planning on working on it next Monday. Well, you've got the crisis to deal with. You've got the rebound from the crisis to deal with. You've got all of the other things that were supposed to happen during this crisis period to deal with. And then you have this other thing that sills you next Monday. I like to give people a heads up because you know what? People are much more understanding if you email them now about something to do next Monday and say, hey, because of this, I'm, I might well be late on this project. And then they can say, okay, I'm aware. That's okay. Like ASAP, please. Or it's fine. We can push it back three weeks, you know, whatever. Um, and I, li- I like to uh, try to save my future self if possible. Um, and boilerplate text is really handy for that. Um, but I actually want to come back to something else you said there, Scotty, about triage. Uh, one of the things I do, um, so actually I have, um, I have a pre-setup crisis system. Is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Um, but I have a printed day per page planner. I do not use this all the time, but when things are feeling overwhelming or a crisis pops up, I grab this planner, I flip it to the right day and I write down the stuff that I need to do 
in that day per page planner. Um, now, this is really cheap. I usually pick these up right after the new year, you know, very early in the in the next year because you can get them insanely cheaply. Um, and honestly, they're going to get thrown away. And I use the the other pages as, as notepaper, you know, when I need to for just like scrap doodling or whatever. So I put that, so I go through and I figure out, okay, like what, you know, when, when I'm triaging, what do I actually need? Okay, that goes in here. And then I get another notebook and a highlighter and I use this for capture. Okay, so then I can just pick up my pen, write in the notebook, and then if something is relevant to the crisis that I'm currently in, I highlight it. Okay, so I'm using a really cheap um, biro for this, like a Bic biro, and just whatever Stadler highlighter comes out of the pot. Like it could be purple, it could be pink, green, blue, yellow, whatever. Um, but I highlight it because this way I can see as I'm going down through my capture, right, these are the things that I need. Okay. And for people thinking, oh, it's not very GTD of an inbox approach. David Allen said in Getting Things Done that sometimes if you're in emergency mode, you go and you scan your inbox for looking for things that are on fire and you put the other things back in your inbox. Mm-hmm. Okay, crisis means emergency. So you can do that. And I like to preactively, preemptively, proactively. There we go. I'm trying to make a new word, Scotty. (laughs) That's how much of a crisis this is. Um, But I like to proactively do that um, and just say, hey, like this is relevant to this right now. And then, you know, buy new socks. Well, that still gets captured because it came into my head. And especially in crisis mode, do not stop capturing get things out of your head. You need to get things out of your head so that you've got your whole head to deal with whatever this is. Uh, But, you know, buy socks. Is that relevant to this particular crisis? Probably not. Unless your crisis is, I have absolutely nothing to wear. The washing machine broke. My laundry is trapped inside of it. And I can't get a workman to come out for a week. Uh, In which case, you know, Mm. buy new socks is probably going to be relevant to your problem. Um, And, uh, you know, also hit a laundrap with, you know, whatever dirty clothes you can find. but, um, you know, whatever your problem is, you know, you need to just try and keep like try and make sure that you can stay on top of things. Because, you know, I had uh, a couple of weekends ago, I was in the process of interviewing for some new jobs. Um, and as people who might not be aware, as a developer, between the round one of the interview and the final round of the interview, they like to give you homework. Okay, so you have a series of tests, like little things that you should go through and program or correct this or tell me how you'd approach that, stuff like this. Most of it's supposed to be relatively quickly done in an hour. There are some companies who think very well of themselves and they'll say, oh, this will take anywhere between two and eight hours. Um, and, uh, well, surprise, surprise, that was one I, I decided against doing and I did not proceed to the final round because that was my choice. But I was looking at this and it's like, okay, this is crisis mode time. I was not expecting to have this many things I needed to do this weekend. Plus I have all this other stuff that I needed to do this weekend. So I got in touch with a couple of people and rearranged some things that needed rearranging. Um, you know, I, I let my grandmother know that I would not be visiting as I previously planned because that would be like four hours of time. Um, and uh, I prioritized and I sat down and I figured it out and I had a plan in, in my day planner on the left and I had my capture system on the right. And every time I thought of something for like a previous test or a future test or whatever, because I read through all of the um, exercises first, of course, um, then I wrote it down and I highlighted it and everything else just got written down. And you know what? I came out of the weekend going, you know what? I didn't have a complete meltdown, but I do need to have a really good sit down and just playing on my Nintendo Switch time or actually uh, Oculus Quest, Scotty, a topic for another day. Um, But uh, Ah. 
Yeah. So uh, that that's, you know, that's how I approached that. And it was an overwhelming crisis weekend. Um, and I gave myself a couple of days after that to go whew, and relax because I needed to, you know, you need to give yourself that relaxation time after you've done the intense crisis management. Uh, and that's what you need to account for. I agree. I, I, I really want a, a couple of reactions uh, to that. That was a lot of fantastic points you made there. I really like how succinctly you put, um, you know, thinking about the timeline of crisis, right? You've got the crisis to deal with, and then you've got, you know, the recovery from crisis and getting yourself back to regular to deal with. You've got all of the things that were supposed to happen during the crisis to deal with. And uh, then you probably also have like, like you just said, you know, some decompression that you're absolutely going to need to deal with and give to yourself. So um, pre-planning and allotting for how that's going to work on a, on a timeline continuum and making sure that you're, you know, giving yourself the room for that uh, at the end and that you're, you know, treating your calendar and deadlines far enough out to be able to accommodate for that, I think is really important. And I, I also think it's okay if you don't know how long the crisis is going to go on for to say, you know, hey, folks, you know, give me 72 hours or 24 hours or 48 hours or an afternoon, whatever it is to get my head around this. Mm -hmm. But like right now I'm giving you the heads up. Things are broken. I'm going to miss deadlines. Um, Give me some time yeah. and I will get back to you and figure out, um, you know, what 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 the impact of that could look like. Yeah. And it's it's um, very much OK. And I would argue if you aren't sure when things are going to be back to normal, don't tell people. Don't don't even give a wild stab in the dark. You do not need the extra pressure of that wild stab in the dark coming back to haunt you later. Just say, I don't know when this is going to be fixed. And leave it at that. You don't need to explain why. You don't need to say because. You don't need to, you know, wildly estimate about what impact that could have. Just say, I don't know when this will be fixed. And let them extrapolate the information that they need from there. Um, because they'll come Absolutely. back to you and it's up to them if they're the ones that have set the deadlines to deal with that to an extent. Obviously, if you've agreed to things, you know, it's it's gonna, you're going to have to, you know, be involved in that. But by letting people know straight up and not making accidental false promises to yourself and to them, you'll be in a much better place. For sure. I would say that if you're going to make a promise, the, the best promise to make is you can expect to hear from me again in 24 to 48 hours and I'll give you an update. Yeah. Now, that update might be, I still don't know. Yes. And that's okay too. You'll hear from me again in another 24 to 48 yeah. hours. But then they know that you just, you haven't gone completely dark. You mm -hmm. haven't gone off the grid and you haven't become this, this mystery black box where they're just white to sit on the sidelines. I think it's important to help manage people's expectations to say like, I, I haven't forgotten. I am deliberately not doing this thing right now. And... Um, and, and, but I'll keep you posted as, as we get through this. Yeah. I would also like to second your suggestion of, I will get back to you. Don't ask them when they, you know, when they want to hear from you, because then that is something else you need to process. Okay. You then have to process their reply of, oh, don't worry about it. Get back to me next week. Oh boy. You, you don't need that. You know, you don't need to be going, what did they say? Where was this email? You just need to be starting an email. I have a list of people to email. Hopefully yeah. you, you created that list as part of your your processing and, and your triage and you, you keep that list somewhere so that you can go back to it and, and refer to it and, and, you know, contact those people again. Um, and then that list you can refer back to afterwards as well. 
of, hey, I contacted all these people to let them know that X happened and therefore Y. Um, and and now I can go, go back to them and say, okay, so X happened, X is resolved, um, this has meant Z, where are we now? I would suggest this. Um, but also when you're following up after the crisis, I would be very careful about saying, uh, about setting deadlines. In fact, I like to, uh, so I don't know how you feel about meetings, Scotty. I know you spend a lot of time in meetings. Personally, I'm one of those people, I generally dislike meetings. They seem to be quite inefficient, but they have advantages. Meetings are synchronous. Okay, because you pick up the phone, you talk to a person. Okay, I, and when I say meeting, I don't mean like a, a panel of board members and fifty employees sitting there <laughs> watching a PowerPoint presentation. I mean more like a phone call, actual direct people to people communication. Um, and I would say you know meetings are beneficial both in crisis management, like at, during the actual crisis, and also afterwards to get things back on on track. Um, and I'm going to give an example of this. Um, so I, I recently had a thing at work where somebody said, hey, uh, there's a problem with this. And they pinged a group of us in the chat system. So then this group, we've got our own chat channel. So I put in there, I will fix this. Please, nobody touch the system. Turned out somebody didn't check that. And they were also trying to fix it. And I was putting in a fix and it wasn't taking. And they were putting in a fix and it wasn't taking because we were both trying to do the same thing at the same time. And unsurprisingly, the system went, but I don't know, ah, uh, and just kind of gave up on us. If we'd spent five minutes on the phone, like not even that, two minutes, mm. if we just picked up the phone and talked to each other, then we'd have known. And then he would have known that I was doing it or I would have known he was doing it. It doesn't really matter who was right. going to do it. If we just spent, you know, a little bit of time on the phone going, hey, so is this this problem? Yeah, this is the problem. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, cool. That would have been solved. Um, and email is asynchronous. So the other thing that you need to watch out for when you're coming back from a crisis, okay, you're trying to bounce back and you've got all this stuff and all these things that maybe didn't get done or whatever. If you if you email everybody and say, okay, so I'm back now. What's the new deadline? There's a very good chance that they're all going to come back on the same day. Oh, dear. If you pick up the phone and you talk to each person one at a time, then you are in charge and you're taking agency over this. Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe you know, phone calls aren't appropriate for whatever reason, but contacting people one at a time. Do not contact everybody at once in that particular case. Do one at a time and then say, okay, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell people as things go on, you know, well, this, this project was deemed most urgent and therefore, you know, it's been put in with this new deadline now and therefore we need to work around that and so on and so forth until you get to the bottom of the pile, um, whatever it is. Um, because this way you, you don't have another crisis of 80,000 deadlines at once because that, that could happen. Um, and I say that from experience because it's <laughs> happened to me. Okay. I was off work sick for a while and I came back and everybody just emailed me all at once and said, okay, so cool. Can you give me this by next Monday? And I just replied to every single person and said, everybody wants everything from me next Monday. I've literally only just got back and I've got 5,000 unread emails in my inbox if we're lucky, I'll be done with those next Monday, and then I can consider everything else. Yeah, um, it was it was a slightly snarky response. Uh, fortunately, you know, I didn't couch it quite in those terms, but I, you know, I, I made a point of everybody wants everything very quickly. Please, can we, you know, be aware of that? Um, and uh, yeah, it, it fortunately went down quite well, and I got everything arranged to be manageable. 
which is good for sure. And I, I, there's a couple of a couple of things to pull out of that. One is, you know, getting into crisis mode, and you talked about the the fight or flight response. Part of being in fight mode is that your vision deliberately narrows so that you can focus on the thing that you are meant to be fighting. And I think in order to help yourself do that in the like work and productivity space. How do you minimize the number of inputs? So like you said, how do you make sure that you are setting things up so that people aren't going to be emailing you a bunch of stuff or sending you a bunch of stuff because you're putting yourself in the lead of here's when next updates will happen or here's when deadlines might be or here's when you might hear from me again and so on. Um, you're, you're basically cutting off uh, lines of potential interruption, not in a bad way, but in a, in a positive and constructive way. And I think that, and I think that's really important. Um, I, I also think it's, it's valid to when you come out of crisis mode and you're ready to um, ready to sort of look at all of the things that you, you know, shoved aside. Um, remember that the work that you need to do about your work can sometimes be a lot bigger than your work. So, you know, as, a developer, Rose, I'm interested to like understand in, in a job where you are a, de a developer, what percentage of your time is actually spent developing and what percentage of your time <laughs> is spent like processing emails, updates, information, managing, planning, meetings, administration, and all of that sort of stuff. I'm going to guess that like, despite the fact that you are a developer, you only spend like a portion of your time actually developing. And, and that's a true, mm -hmm. that's a truism, but it's also really easy to forget. And I think, I think a lot of times people coming, either coming into a new job or even just, you know, realigning their job after a, after a crisis or something, you, you, I don't know for me anyway, I tend to associate like my job title with the thing I should be doing. But the reality is that the work I need to do so that I can do the things that my job title says is often a lot bigger than, than, than that. And so make time for it uh, and plan it and be deliberate about it. Um, and I like, I really like what you said about the day page per day planner. And I, I, I think that for me, um, whenever I get into crisis mode, um, I also have uh, notebooks that I use, not specifically for crisis, but for, you know, like air quotes, other things. Um, I love to park my regular systems because I know that I will, you know, after I've done that triaging and so on, I will get distracted um, or feel guilty or something by looking at all of the work that yeah. I thought I was going to do that I am now not doing. And so staying mm -hmm. out of that entirely is wonderful. <laughs> so yes, yes, getting into my notebook so that I can say, okay, here are all my crisis. All my crisis moments are here. They are in this notebook. All my other work that I thought I was going to do, that's over there. At the end, I will somehow try and bring these things together, but not until then. Um, and then that way I'm not yes. distracted by old stuff. I'm focused on new stuff. Uh, and, you know, to your point about, you know, for our North American listeners, a biro is a pen um, using <laughs> using, you know, particular colors or symbology or something that, that are meaningful in that moment. Again, they don't have to map to my day to day rules. They can do what whatever that crisis entails. I can follow those rules in that place. And that and that and that's and that's wonderful. Um, the last thing um, that I wanted to bring up sort of about about this aspect of things is a new practice that I've got. Uh, I just go for shorthand, call it the garbage box. Um, and really it's a lot like David Allen inboxing, uh, except that it's much more uh, physical than that. So uh, I have a box. It is a big box, but it's pretty. Uh, and it sits underneath my desk. And on Monday morning, it's empty because that's my job on the weekend. But through the week, 
Anything that is still on my desk at the end of a workday gets shoved into that box, whether it's a um, a device or a cable that I pulled out uh, or a uh, stack of papers that my wife brought down from upstairs or notes that I took. Um, yes, I should probably be inboxing those a little bit better. And, 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 and that's why those notebooks come in handy, because then it's a little bit more contained. But all of that stuff gets shoved into the box. And the reason for that is that when I come back to crisis uh, or, or work or whatever is going on, I'm coming to a clean space. And so I at least don't have to feel sad about the desk that I am sitting down to. I also know that if I do not know where the thing is, I know where it is because it's in my garbage box. And then once a week, I set aside the time to go through the garbage box and decide, uh, does this get filed, shredded, put away, folded? Uh, is this something I need to work on? It's, it's, it's really just like a giant inbox uh, for you getting things done, practitioners. Um, but I think it's a, it's a neat way of backing into that sort of practice if you've never you know used an inbox in that kind of way before. Um, and it seems a little bit distinctly different to me because most of the things that are in my garbage box, uh, they're not notes or files. They are things like like the the spare um, USB hub that I pulled out. Uh, that I needed in order to hook up a certain thing or uh, a book that I borrowed uh, from someone or the headphones holder or something like that, or even just garbage, uh, literal garbage. Um, so And so treating that sort of um, stuff in an inboxy way, the same way that I've been, you know, GTDing, you know, notes and, and memos and that sort of thing has been really liberating because it means that um, if nothing else, I at least have a, a space to work in and manage my crisis with. I, I may or may not have just found a perfect garbage box uh, online for me, Scotty. Uh, and I'm going to go get that. Oh, excellent. I'm going to go get that tomorrow. Um, so that, that is a genius buy, uh, idea. I'm shares in Ikea. No, it's actually not. I stole it from my son, actually. My my my, uh, my son got that idea given to him from someone ah. uh, in order to keep his room, in order to keep his room clean because mm -hmm. he struggles with that as, as I did too when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it's much more freeing to just like take all this stuff that you would have just left on the floor and put it in the box. Yeah. Now it's tidy. Well, my problem is not the floor. The floor is fine. Uh, and I actually have a trash can. I have mm. a trash can in every single room and some rooms have two trash cans um, because this way, uh, well, I have like one next to my 3D printer because when prints come off the 3D printer, there's like little bits of excess plastic that need disposing of. Oh, okay. And I realized I was leaving stuff in front of the 3D printer and it's like, no, the correct way to fix this is by putting a trash can next to the 3D printer and all the stuff goes straight in the trash. Um, so trash cans everywhere, people. Uh, it helps avoid uh, tidying and cleaning crisis mode. Um, but uh, the the, uh, the 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 garbage box of it's not garbage. It's just this is stuff on my desk that I should put away, but I didn't yet because I'm like that. I, I so I don't pile things up on the floor around my desk. I pile things up on my desk, and you know what drives me crazy? Sitting down to a messy desk, um, oh and gosh, uh, yes. especially when when you're you're in crisis mode, um, you know, having things like we all procrastinate, but. With your with with the whole crisis mode, it's fight, fright, or freeze. Uh, sorry, f fight, flight, or freeze. Those are the two options. Well, okay, fright is just fright goes all across all of them. Yeah, exactly. All, fright all, is all of them. Never, but yeah, never but be either not you afraid. can fight it, which is what you're you're going to have to do because if if there's a crisis, you need to deal with it somehow, or you might run away. Um, and, you know, just pretend that it's not a problem and make somebody else deal with it. Well, sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. But there's also freeze, and freeze can also just be procrastination. 
And I don't know about you, but I am queen of procrastination when it comes to, I'm not quite sure yet how I should handle this problem. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to clean my desk. That's always a bad thing because my desk, oh my God, there's a real nerd's nest of cables back there right now, Scotty. And you don't you don't want to be oh, uh, panicking and I, then just going, I'll just rearrange all the cables on my desk and oh, well, nothing works. So I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't deal with the crisis. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get one of those boxes. Um, I've just been rearranging some things in my office anyway. So this is a, a perfect compliment, let's say. Yes. Yes. And um, I, I'm... I, I want to steal one of the notes that you put in our preparation for this episode. Go for it. Um, which is uh, in in the system, one of the things that we, we talked about, like doing that sort of emergency triage, uh, one of the things that I didn't mention that you wrote down, which is a really important point, is to either tag or meta tag or identify in some way um, in your task management system you know, b- before you move into fully crisis mode, um, here are things that I'll deal do when this crisis is over. And also, um, in the in the in the um, in the crisis management act of things, you know, as you capture things and note things down, um, highlighting or notating, like, hey, here here are some things that I am going to do deliberately when this crisis is over. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That that's a great way of making sure that you are giving yourself permission to a capture stuff with the firm and comfortable knowledge that you don't have to do anything about that right now. And B that you have made some very clear decisions about some of the things that you had that are now like, you know, officially pushed off. And like I said, helping you narrow that field of focus or field of vision mm-hmm. uh, so that you have fewer things uh, tugging at your, uh, tugging at your consciousness. Yeah. There is one final thing I like to do as part of a crisis management. It's actually one of the first things that I do, um, but it's a very good ending point, I think, for, for today's episode, which is I like to create a the crisis is over when statement. Um, now, for some things, this is incredibly obvious, like, hey, the system is offline. The crisis is over when the system is back online and functioning normally. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Sometimes crises are not so uh, easy to uh, decide when when they're over. Um, but I like to try to define what, you know, over is. Because this way, uh, I can write that. And I actually do. I write it at the top of the page of my day planner. Um, and uh, then I can look at it and I can go, yeah, we're there. Or we're about halfway there. Or still got a really long way to go. And all of those are totally fine. Right. I just like knowing... When, when is this over okay and sometimes you know we don't know when that is going to be time wise but we know what that looks like and being able to visualize it is incredibly important for me that is a really wonderful point not just visualizing it but also knowing when you cross that point because then that 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 acts as a bit of a trigger to say okay now I can go back to some of my like normal so we now resume our regularly scheduled programming and how do I get back to my regular um productivity systems how do i start thinking about how to uh, respond back to all of those people that i've put on hold how do i pick up the things that i let go how do i um review all of the things that uh, i've been ignoring uh, during this crisis time it becomes this identifier to yourself to say it is now okay to do those things yep and so um not just having a, a definition and a visualization for knowing when you've made it through and, and, and give yourself a moment of success about that. Um, but also it becomes like this trigger uh, and tipping point for, for uh, uh, actions that you've deliberately said, those are post-crisis things. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think that's the thing, you know, we have to figure out I'm in a crisis. How am I dealing with it? And when is it done? Um, And hopefully the crisis will soon be over. Um, I know my crazy weekend of programming exercises and all of the other things I had to do is definitely over. I enjoyed my relaxation afterwards. (laughs) Um, And uh, things are back to their regularly scheduled programming. And I'm also incredibly grateful to you, Scotty, because uh, you're one of the people that I messaged and said, hey, uh, this is scary. And you went, we don't need to record this week. We're ahead of things. That's good. Um, and uh, so that, uh, that, that made my life much easier that week. So thank you. Oh, it's just nice to know that there is at least there, there is one area in my life in which I am ahead. So that's, that's <laughs> well, yay. It's, it's called teamwork. And um, uh, if you can share your crisis with somebody else, then I would suggest that you do that. Oh, absolutely. Support systems all the way. And uh, as you hear, uh, this episode is over when we've covered how a crisis is over. Great. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rose. This has been an excellent, uh, excellent discussion. Um, and thank you, listeners. I'm really interested to hear um, best practices, ideas, thoughts, kinds of crises that you've had and, and ways in which you were successful or not uh, navigating them and what you learned about them. That would be what we would love, love to hear about that uh, on the Twitter or on our feedback, uh, which you can find at uh, nestedfolderspodcast.com. Uh, you can tweet with us at nestedfolders. Uh, and then we also exist as uh, human people on the Internet. Uh, where might people uh, find you uh, in such a fashion, Rose? You can find me at uh, you can find me at rosemaryorchard.com. I swear I am actually human. Uh, I'm also on micro.blog and Twitter <laughs> at rosemaryorchard. Uh, Scotty, where can people find you? Meep Morp. Uh, I can be found at heyscottyj.com or by the same name uh, also on Twitter. Um, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been a fantastic episode and discussion, Rose, as always. And we'll uh, talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everybody.